0: Hello and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jason Meadows. We are back to interviews as promised today. Uh, A few months ago, Elizabeth Lewin from the American Psychological Association reached out to me regarding the impact that COVID-19 has had on America's farmers. And she put me in contact with a wonderful lady by the name of Dr. Holly Roberts from the psychology department at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Uh, Holly and I, we chat about her background in a farming community and how it has given her a unique perspective when it comes to mental health care. And uh, we talk about, as as we've discussed a lot on this program, how mental health care is lacking in these rural communities. And we discussed that even though COVID was a huge challenge to the rural community, it also produced the opportunity to showcase how telehealth can be used in these rural settings. Um, I am very flattered that APA reached out to me and put me in contact with Holly. And I'm also really impressed that APA is recognizing this needs and, and going to work on it. So um, to get in contact with Holly, you send her a message at hroberts@unmc.edu. at um, Thank you all for your patience with me, um, getting me through this busy season. Uh, I'm back to scheduling recording podcasts again, and not just recording solo episodes. Uh, my life's been really busy and I hope you enjoy the solo episodes and then the string of them that we had. Um, but we're going to be back to more in depth, lengthier podcasts for the next few weeks. So appreciate you guys go out and give us a follow on Instagram. If you haven't uh, screenshot, this podcast and share it with your followers on Instagram to help us get the word out. So, all right, here is my interview with Dr. Holly Roberts. All right, Holly Roberts, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you?
1: I'm doing well today. How are you doing?
0: I'm wonderful. The weather's been just beautiful here the last couple of days. We, you know, we deserve it after the mess that we had a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yes, I would agree. And here in Nebraska, in the middle of the country, we had one week, it was 20 below zero and then the following week it was 50 degrees so there was mm-hmm. a 70 degree difference within a week
0: Well, we had this we had the same difference only it was i think negative 10 into 70 here <laughs> you know so it was uh yes. an inc- it was a uh, just i i hope i never see cold like that again for so long because we're not used to it down here not i mean not for that long anyway
1: i would i would agree it's that we we get all of the weather in in nebraska the, the coldest days of winter and the hottest days of summer but this was a little bit over the top um as it, far it as, as much, cold. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yes we all deserve these sunny days
0: right now. <laughs> So, tell everybody about you about what you do about your background and you know how you came to the mental health field and then we'll dive into a little bit other of some other stuff there from there
1: okay i I'd be happy to i I currently live in Omaha nebraska, uh, which is the largest metropolitan area in in Nebraska and on the far east side of the state and but i'm originally from crete nebraska which is in the southeast part of nebraska and it has a population currently of about 6900 and it's about 25 minutes from our state capital um, lincoln which i moved to lincoln when i was four years old and spent a significant part of my life growing up in lincoln nebraska and uh, farming was also a really significant part of my upbringing. And in fact, my mother and stepfather still live in Saline County where Crete, Nebraska is located, um, where they farm. they're, They're farming corn and soybeans currently. My father lives right outside of Lincoln, Nebraska and has a vineyard. So farming has really been part of my life growing up. As I had kind of mentioned, Nebraska is really composed of two metropolitan areas. It's Omaha and Lincoln, which Mm -hmm. I'm in Omaha currently. Lincoln is where I I spent most of my childhood. And we're on the far east side of the state. So um, from Omaha, if you start driving west, you will land in Lincoln, home of Husker football. And then from Lincoln, you can continue driving west for about 600 miles, depending on which direction you go. And really across the entire state, um, uh, farmland and uh, rural areas. It's it's a predominantly rural state. So uh, I had mentioned I grew up in Crete for the first few years of my life, spent the majority of my childhood in Lincoln. Lincoln was also where I completed my undergraduate degree in psychology um, at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. And then Once I graduated with a degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree, I I attended UNO, which is University of Nebraska-Omaha in Omaha, Um, and I completed a master's of science in school psychology and then eventually transferred to um, Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois, where I graduated Mm -hmm. with a doctoral degree in school psychology. Um, oh wow yeah so then i moved back to omaha nebraska i completed an internship a postdoctoral fellowship at um, the university of nebraska medical center and that's where i currently work and have, have worked since i moved back in 2003 and i'm currently an as- associate professor there at unmc and and my role as a psychologist, a licensed psychologist, is that I, I have um, seen children and families for a variety of behavioral health concerns. So I have that clinical side. We've also tasked ourselves, um, uh, uh, me and my all-star um, colleagues that I've worked with for several years, um, really tasked ourselves with integrating um, behavioral health into primary care practices across Nebraska. There, as in many rural areas or underserved areas, there's these large behavioral health care gaps that exist. Mm -hmm. And so our goal has been to find individuals who are willing to practice in these underserved areas. And uh, over the last 20 years, we've been able to integrate into over 40 different primary care practices across Nebraska. And um, I I think it's been a, a neat process to see how, how we can integrate those two services, behavioral health and primary care, and how, how different it looks in each clinic. But right. what an awesome service it is to be able to have within your own community instead of driving hundreds of miles to to Omaha or Lincoln or another large community.
0: And that's, that is the issue I think that is facing the rural population so much is getting access to that much needed behavioral health care and not having to, like you say, um, you know, I'm an hour southwest of St. Louis, hour and a half southwest of St. Louis. I mean, it's not a terrible problem for me to go in towards this, you know, even the outer suburbs of St. Louis are just over an hour from me, but, you know, it's not a, it wouldn't be a huge deal, but still to, to find uh, any sort of diverse set of uh, providers in that, in yeah. that uh, it, it, it's, you know, cause there are, they are here and there are like our college town close to us is Rolla. It's where mm-hmm. I actually work. And, um, you know, it's a population of right around 20,000 people. Um, there are behavioral health care people there but you know the rural population is is even though it's um it's not as big as the urban areas it's still significant population and it's just spread out uh, uh, around and you know you have these little hubs like Rala and even if there are some providers there they still aren't equipped to handle the population that's surrounding them so I think that's a huge issue and I'm glad you said that is trying to attract people to these rural areas to help fill the gap? Because there is, there's a huge gap there.
1: Yes, and and over the years we have discovered that uh, you're not going to get a provider in every community, sure. a, a licensed mental health care provider. I wish that right. we could. And what we, we we often do is partner with colleges or universities across the state or across the region um, to attract people back home so that they can provide behavioral health services within their their community where they grew up. And and that has been when, when we've um, really focused on bringing people home and encouraging them to um, become part of the behavioral health workforce and, and to get into a behavioral health profession, that has been more successful than trying to talk somebody into rural nebraska who may not have any ties to rural america or rural or or just understanding the needs in in rural areas as well
0: no i i'm glad you said that because i actually have a presentation coming up uh, for the missouri rural health association Mm -hmm. in april where that is kind of my focus is how and now i'm talking about pharmacists but just in just healthcare professionals in general how do we get people in these rural communities and you bring up a very valid point in saying that it's going to be much better to educate or try to get the the kids who are coming up and leaving there and going to college and tr- trying to get them to obtain degrees and come back home and serve that community. I think, I think that's going to be the secret sauce to this in addressing this, this gap is trying to get people to, who do understand the culture and understand the issues. I just talked, uh, it's funny that we're talking about this because I just was on a podcast, uh, recording last night with another pharmacist where we, we're talking about this same issue and we feel like the key is is getting people to who are from here to getting to them to come back home yeah and you know get that go go get that education get the training that they need but bring that training back home with them instead of going away and never coming back which i think is something a lot of rural america kids do because i think maybe they are conditioned to think maybe that's what they're supposed to do or they want to get out of it. I don't know. But uh, trying to attract them back is the is the key in this.
1: Yes, I've, we, we agree 100 percent. And so we have a uh, we have a training, obviously, at UNMC we're, we're geared towards training the the future workforce. So we have a master's degree, a doctoral degree, but then we have these internship programs. So when you're just about ready to graduate and you have to do a year internship as a doctoral uh, student, or you're doing your postdoctoral training, um, we we really want to to focus on um, where where is it that you want to practice and and. Where are you from (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so that we can um, we can really make sure that we're understanding the needs that each student has, but also um, How do we meet up with those students a lot earlier in the game here too. And I think it comes back to that whole idea of stigma, because once you graduated from high school that stigma may already be there so we really need to reach uh, these students um, and these kids a lot earlier and so that they they can see behavioral health as a profession that is worth thinking about and they can talk with their families about it and and really educate themselves before that idea that I, I need to Right. I need something different, or to, or, or I don't, I don't know that that would be right. accepted yeah. in this rural area to, to become a behavioral health provider. That that has that we're trying to break down that stigma maybe a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I've never even, mm-hmm. you know, I love it when someone brings a point like that uh, when we're chatting. And, you know, it's been honestly the first time that I've really thought of it that way. But, you know, what? yeah, that's that's a very interesting point that I've never even really considered. Like, what if they are concerned with the stigma that is associated with mental health providers with behavioral health providers and what if they don't want to bring that back to their rural community because of the stigma that exists there that's fascinating i've never thought of it that way because but it's there it's definitely very real and it's still it's something that has to be addressed right
1: right Yes. And it's addressed in everything we do. And that's, it's really why we took the, we we've, we started down that road of integrating behavioral health into primary care, because mm-hmm. we know that most people trust their primary care provider. In, in many practices in, in rural Nebraska, family physicians have been seeing the, the individuals from your family for Decades at times, and that practice has been there. And they know your family; they may have delivered you, and you are now sixty-five. You're, Mm -hmm. you know, you have been a part of that practice for a long time, and that is somebody in the community who is trusted and valued. Your primary care provider is very trusted and valued professional, and and so when we think about stigma, and we think about how to reduce stigma we know that the answer for behavioral health isn't in standalone clinics where everybody can see your car parked outside of the clinic it really is within the primary care office where you may be there for an immunization you may have strep throat or you may be there to see a behavioral health provider nobody will know the difference eliminating some of that stigma Um, with, oh my goodness, everybody is going to see me here.
0: So, so let me make sure I'm understanding this right. You are having say like a, someone like yourself, like a clinical psychologist who is in an office with like a family medicine physician. Is that, is that, am I hearing that right?
1: Yes. Yes. Some of us and, and Uh, Some of us are in pediatric offices and some of us are in family uh, practices, family medicine practices across the state. And as you you go into rural areas, you'll find uh, many more family Practices, then you're going to find a specific related to pediatrics. So, oftentimes, you know, the family practice um, physicians or family practice primary care providers are are seeing individuals across the lifespan. They have to know all of it. Mm. They have to know everything from delivering a baby into elder care and understanding how um, end of life transitions occur. So, they're they're really seeing the gamut. And many of much of our faculty at UNMC within our department is really pediatric focused um, and we work with children and families. However, we have psychologists that also see adults and and there definitely is um, a, a need in rural areas to think about concern behavioral health concerns related to children and how what those look like and Mm -hmm. those related to adults and what that what what that might look like because it is very different although the model of integrated care you know infusing behavioral health into primary care can work for both very easily
0: right yeah I find this very interesting because I actually have a close friend of mine who is a clinical psychologist and he is in a situation like you're describing where he's in a, we actually work at the same health system and he is a part of an integrative healthcare team where he is in the internal medicine office at our, Uh at our medical office building. And he is, goes to the pediatric office at our medical office building and he goes one A couple days a week too, outpatient clinic in a different town, just you know, still part of our same health system. So, uh, I he's the first person I've ever seen do that, and I find it really fascinating because there, there are so before any time before you'd go to see a a licensed counselor or any sort of mental health professional, you had to go to a place where we call, it had a name, but it was obviously for that, for behavioral Mm -hmm. health things. And although there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't go to that people there. That stigma definitely exists yes. and they don't want to go to that because that's what it's labeled as. But what they, what I think we're finding and trend, hopefully trending more towards is like you say, this integrated healthcare team where there is a licensed psychologist or some sort of mental health professional in the same office with these medical doctors, uh, family practice, internal med doctors, pediatricians, and they're, you know, they're a part of the team. And I I, I find that as as an allied health professional myself, a pharmacist, I, fi- I find that really great and fascinating when, and, and very encouraging as well, when uh, there is interdisciplinary uh, cooperation.
1: Yes. And our, you know, our, we really hinge our integrated care practice on that, we want our referrals to come directly from the pediatrician or directly from the family practice um, provider. We want them to to recognize that there may be a concern or an adjustment that, Mm -hmm. that a child or a family may be going through or maybe something even more severe. Maybe there's you know, a substance use concern sure, or sure. Um, um, they've suspected that their child has autism spectrum disorder. We want the pediatrician to be the first stop or the family practice um, provider to be that first stop for a family and and they can uh, do a what we call a warm handoff and say, we have somebody here that can see you you don't have to go to the unmc you don't have to go to another uh you don't have to leave this building
0: you can yeah. see that yeah. well i mean you're removing yeah. one place like you know you're removing one step in the process and you know removing is a step in the process that has to make the rate of success go up because there's no limiting reagent there there's no chance for failure necessarily there or less of a chance whenever they have to uh, leave one appointment and le- go to a completely different place, and like you say, a lot of times in a, in rural Nebraska type situation, go to Lincoln or Omaha or in Missouri type yeah. situation, go to uh, St. Louis, St. Kansas City, Columbia, Springfield, those type areas. You know that's very valuable to for people, especially in rural communities where oftentimes. Uh, money and and financial considerations are a big part of the picture. And, you know, if they can drive to a small, uh, I'm going to use a town I know in Nebraska, Grand Island, somewhere yeah. like there or, um, you know, and in St- in here, it's, you know, instead of driving to St. Louis, go to a town like Rolla, which is 20,000 people. You know, it's very that's 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 going to increase your chance of getting people the needed care that much more because they feel Uh, comfortable. They feel comfortable, and they feel like it's something that they can do when they can go to these type of places and still get the kind of care that they need.
1: Yes, absolutely, and that is a big part of this. It's 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 access. It's the drive time and the cost, which ends up meaning um, that I have to take off today at work. I have to um, call my child out of school. If the appointment's for me, maybe I have to find a babysitter after right. school. I The cost incurred by a family to travel, to receive behavioral or mental health care is very limiting on a budget.
0: Well, let's take it a step further and we'll talk about farmers. Yes. Good, good luck getting a farmer from Western Nebraska to drive to Omaha to go to some sort of mental health provider appointment. I mean, no, there's right. no, there's honestly probably no sense in trying, right? So, but I,
1: exactly, and, and and I I think too that that is you know that that population is often not considering the, those mental and behavioral health challenges and if they are having those challenges they're certainly not something that we should be talking about yeah. uh, or or it, it's it's not going to be become known until until it, until at times maybe it is quite debilitating
0: yeah. for and,
1: that individual or the family
0: yeah unfortunately and you know and I, i'm i'm so glad that there are people like you and there are there is this new sort of integrated healthcare type model that's coming to place because it's so sorely needed you know we were talking about before we recorded the stigma that exists in these rural communities it's it's sad, but it's, it's not something, it's something that we thought was helpful for so long. And, you know, that tough exterior is, you know, there's, it's, it's served people well through these tough times and through this life that is often isolated, but that doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. It doesn't mean that they have to just grin and bear it through all the hard times. I mean, there if there's care that can be had, they need to get it too. There needs to be access to it too. And and I'm I'm happy that this is starting to get the snowball rolling up the hill, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, and farmers are among the most isolated individuals in, in our country in, in general. Uh, that we talk about rural life, but let's talk about frontier life for a moment. Um, some of, there are areas in, in Nebraska that are hard to travel, the roads are difficult to travel uh, in in the winter and at certain times of the year, and I know this is true in other states such as Wyoming, and you, you are not only rural, but now you're a frontier, which means depending on the definition you use, there's um, less than uh you know six individuals per square mile in this in this area and and now where do you go Mm. where do you go for for care are are you um you're you're having a hard time leaving the house to begin with because um, the roads aren't easy to travel during the winter and um, the one place you might go is your family practice, your your primary care provider's office, the, the, the local physician, the local NP? And you may need to get get your you know your your, your flu shot, or you may have a sore throat and you need to go in and, and get some treatment. And it is so much easier for behavioral health providers to meet families where they're at mm, instead of mm-hmm, trying mm-hmm. to get them to come to us because we we know the data on this. 50% of those who are referred for behavioral or mental health uh, to, a, to an, a standalone location outside of a primary care clinic, only 50% will make that first appointment, will call and actually make that appointment, and then 50% of those will actually make it to the appointment. So we're we're at about 25% of those who need behavioral health or or mental health services actually receiving it. And then you add distance as a barrier on top of that and the isolation that that farming families may feel. And also who's going to take care of those responsibilities on the farm while I'm gone and it's it's already a very high stress situation and even prior prior to the pandemic it's farming can be very economically challenging um sometimes there are families that don't have health insurance and so uh adding a drive onto an appointment onto yeah. leaving my uh, livelihood here with p- perhaps nobody to manage it while I'm gone right well Mental health might have to take a back seat to that
0: yeah, 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 I mean it's an uphill battle you're right, and and like i, I like how you said it is that the key is meeting folks where they are, and mm-hmm. i'm interested in this because i've i've 've looked at some of your work, and you know one thing that popped out to me was the the use of telemedicine. Talk to me a little bit about that and how maybe that's received and perceived among the rural community.
1: I I know you can't see me right now, but I have a very big smile on Uh my face because the, the one glimmer of hope that we've had in this pandemic that has been absolutely devastating to many people is that telehealth has finally had its platform out there. And in many ways, it has it has had its it's had its year to shine. Um, we have been using um, a telehealth, a, a video conferencing platform, and they've changed over time at UNMC within our department for the last at least ten years, maybe fifteen or twenty, in in various ways. The equipment used to be very large; um, it, it would take up my entire car. Now it's a, a, a webcam on right. on, a, on a phone or a laptop, but and it's so it's evolved throughout the years. But it has been the link for families living at a distance, because that's really what telehealth means. It means health at a distance, care mm-hmm. at a distance and it has been a lifeline for so many people during the pandemic but also pre-pandemic and it has been it has been a hard one to sell especially pre-pandemic for those who are are not utilizing it or just haven't gotten there yet because we see it as another form of technology and I, you know, I'm 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 middle aged now, and I and I I see at times where that the idea of technology or starting something new or trying something new can be very difficult. So um, many of us behavioral health providers really limit ourselves in really seeing innovation that's available to us via telehealth, and that and and what it has provided not only during this pandemic but what it can provide beyond this pandemic. So it, it, I think the benefit of the pandemic has been the loosening of state restrictions and restrictions by insurance companies mm-hmm. to provide telehealth within someone's home. So they don't even have to leave now. They yeah. don't even have to go to the primary care office. They can stay at home. Um, this has been huge for Medicare sure. for, for patients sure. who have Medicare because Medicare wasn't allowing telehealth services. Um uh, they were not reimbursable services prior to the pandemic. Wow. Um, fortunately, I work with Medicaid and many other private insurers and, and they're they did support the use of telehealth for behavioral health care but wow we have been able to go into people's homes and and talk about meeting them where they're at they don't yeah. even have yeah. to have the stigma i mean that's
0: the definition of it right
1: <laughs> right absolutely and and so the the you know the telehealth field does get a lot of um there's a lot of skepticism out there but i find skepticism to be very invigorating because Mm. then we can really provide these data that support it
0: yeah it gives you an opportunity to prove it
1: yeah yeah and i think everybody should feel like what they're doing they they can say at least i i feel good about this because it's, it's proven. It, I, I'm doing something with a lot of um, research behind it, and the research really points to you know, cost e- efficiency. It also points to um, access, increased access. There is no easier way to reach a, farm, a farming community or a family who lives in a frontier area than to be able to provide healthcare within their own home. Mm, and yeah, provide yeah. that knowing that the outcomes are equivalent to in-person care. Right. And to know that your insurance company is paying for it, to know that you don't have to drive all day to and from the appointment, that your child doesn't have to miss school all day to go to an appointment, that you don't have to leave your livestock unattended or your 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 responsibility. They're on the farm, unattended because you you need to go um, receive you know behavioral and mental health care. So I, I think there are there again we come back to the data and we get to share that this this is equivalent and, and guess what patients are satisfied with it just as satisfied as in person care and and so and we have these data and we continue to. Reevaluate to make sure that we're seeing the same outcomes for individuals with depression, individuals with anxiety, um, individuals with substance use um, concerns, and truthfully, individuals who are just going through some uh, some adjustments. I mean, we like to we don't want to meet families when um, or children and adults when things have really hit their peak, We, we and, and when I mean that, it just, at, at, at the most intense crisis moment, we want, to, we want to reach them when things aren't at the crisis moment yet. Um, right, you and, want to be
0: proactive versus reactive.
1: Right, and when we have to factor in distance, and cost, and time, and all of these other things, what we're doing is waiting for the problem to get very large. And out of hand, where we cannot ignore it any longer. And it, in fact, it may be past the point where it's appropriate to do care via telehealth in the home, Mm -hmm. or in an outpatient setting or in a clinic.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, (laughs) we were both joking about our offices being uh, catch-alls at our home, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, telehealth maybe is kind of something, what it is kind of, uh, you can catch the things before they have to, you know, I don't think you're going to, everything's not going to be able to be serviced via telehealth, but there's so much that is that, you can free up some of that for, you know, the stuff that really needs the in-person visits and really needs that more hands-on. I think what you said, you get them, get them before it gets bad. And that's where telehealth comes in really handy. And uh, another thing is, you know, you mentioned the pandemic and how, uh, you know, it's obviously it's been an incredibly frustrating and hard situation for everybody. But but it has, there's been phoenixes rising from the ashes a bit. And I feel like telehealth is maybe one of those things where it didn't get its chance to, it it wouldn't have got a fair shake at things without the pandemic. But then we had the pandemic and uh, people, it was like, we were forced to use it almost. Um, Not almost, we we were. were forced to use it. We were. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and and look what you said. Look what happened. You said we are getting outcomes that are it's it's people are as satisfied as they would be with in-person visits and um that's really promising uh to it the future tough. of it.
1: Yeah. It is. And it you know in in fact in fact I I was I was able to be on on the front end of, of, training mental health providers through um, one of our large SAMHSA grants at UNMC to, to utilize telehealth in their practice to, you know, I think it was March 12th, if I, if I remember correctly, it's like everything closed down Wow! and now you have to either close down your business or you need to learn to use telehealth now. And that the, the part, um, Talk
0: about forcing your hand.
1: Yeah, it was it was forcing your hand. So starting at the end of March, we started a, a, a series called um, TLC Tuesdays through our Mid America uh, Mental Health Tre- Technology Transfer Center, which is um, funded by a large SAMHSA grant um, and housed within our department at UNMC. And we we started training the behavioral health workforce what is what are video conferencing and audio only platforms um, how to utilize them what your workflow might look like how to overcome you know not feeling confident with technology all of these all of these things what are your state you know how can you look into your state guidelines and restrictions and insurance um, um, reimbursement schedules that sort of thing and really help people learn how to use use telehealth um, for to, to continue their practice. Now, I, I know that there will be a lot of individuals and, and there's just a lot of value and in, in, in having face to face interaction with with a patient or with colleagues. I mean, we. I really like being in the primary care practice. I like seeing people. We all like that. But this is really a solution to sometimes a, a you know a way that we can access services. And it you know I, I agree with you. It's not it's not going to solve everything. And it may not be appropriate for every every type of therapy or every situation to utilize telehealth. But wow, we have it.
0: Yeah, and we know it yeah.
1: works and we Very know valuable it can, tool. yeah and we know that it can really help farm families oh
0: my gosh, um,
1: yeah. access much needed services and continue with the rest of their lives so that we're not creating we're not compounding the concerns that they may be having we're not making we're not taking them away from more of their responsibilities thereby creating more stress
0: well holly i appreciate your willingness to be on the podcast here tonight I absolutely do not think this is going to be the last time you and I chat. In fact, I would I, you have a welcome invitation to be on this podcast anytime because your perspective on this is much needed and uh, the kind of perspective that I think people of this podcast are very open to because they see the need for it.
1: Well thank you. It's it this is it's it's great to have this conversation with you and I I would look forward to continuing our conversation and and taking it in various directions um with when when it comes to access to to mental and behavioral health and and to rural and frontier areas I think we're we have to work together to figure out how to plan for the the solutions and and how to reach our audiences and and it is is really helpful that there are a variety of ways and I really appreciate you having this podcast. Um, This is the first opportunity I've had to be a part of a broadcast like this. Uh, And I do find that there are many individuals that might see a billboard. They might see a they might hear this podcast, perhaps uh, they might hear from a family friend about uh, about their experiences and positive experiences seeing a uh, behavioral health provider and however we have to go about sending that message i'm willing to do it and it and and i i just i appreciate the invitation to do yeah, this with you no, today yeah absolutely and because
0: it's know we need all we need all it's an all hands on deck approach because i mean it's going to take a village to get this done and you know more people from the more different perspectives that we can have uh it's um man it's really that's going to be uh it's going to be more people pulling on the rope the stronger it's going to get that's right um if people want to reach out to you uh what's the best way to get a hold of you
1: the The best way to get a hold of me would um, likely be through email. Okay. My email is h roberts h r o b e r t s at unmc and that's unmc edu. And you you can find me um, on the UNMC website too. If you Google Holly Roberts UNMC, um, it should come up. But I I would welcome um, you to, to reach out if, the, if you have questions about integrating behavioral health into primary care, telehealth, um, how to make um, behavioral health work um, in rural and underserved areas. Um, I'm happy to have this discussion. This is, this is really what we've spent um, our career doing and, and trying to increase that access.
0: We'll we'll, uh, we'll link all of that all of that that you provided in the show notes, so it's easy for people to reach out to you. Perfect, Holly. Appreciate it again. Uh, it was a really enjoyable conversation, and I uh, I don't think this is going to be the last time you and I chat because um, you know there's a lot to unpack here, and it's going to take several. Uh, these conversations to get that done, and you know, for me, for someone who uh, is running a podcast and always looking for content and looking for things to talk about, that's very refreshing to me to know that there are some there's there's people out there like you who uh, are, they're, they're who's, who are a wealth of knowledge and information.
1: Well, uh, likewise, I it, it's been it's been my pleasure, and I look forward to our continued conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.